The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. I guess I owe you guys an apology for last week. JB and I were in Nashville, and when you are in the middle of two days of meetings uh, and you have to do the regular work you do all the time for the website, there's just no time for recording. I was literally in a cab on the way to the Nashville airport where it hit me, oh shit, there is no media noise for Friday. So apologies to you. Uh, But we are back this week. Ryan McGuire coming up on the show to talk about gambling. Brian No to talk about freedom of expression and where that still exists with hosts. But first, I think a tough question worth asking whenever somebody launches a new digital product is... Does the space need more crowding than it already has? Michelle Beadle is uh, entering a partnership with The Athletic, which will have her launch her own podcast and a network is going to follow. Now, Michelle Beadle has a following. She is a big name in the world of sports media. The Athletic has a reputation for premium sports media content. So it is a good marriage, I think. I just wonder if at this point it may be a little bit too late to the party. You know, Dan Lebitard talked about this when Colin Cowherd left ESPN for Fox and other personalities have left ESPN to pursue other ventures. Ironic, I know, since he did the same thing, but he said you're not in this business to get lost. You're in this business to be seen. And, you know, he was talking about it in the context of ESPN versus an upstart like FS1, but I think it applies here because, again, the digital space is very crowded, like we are in this place now where digital products on a local level are having success. And sure, that is something Michelle Beadle and The Athletic can point to and say, see, this is a good play. But it is also something for them to point to, I think, and go, man, there is a lot of competition here. Do we have something that really differentiates itself from anything else on the market? If you had not heard the name Jordan Simone before this week, you likely saw the story that the Arizona State sideline reporter was let go from that job after making comments suggesting that the coaching staff uh, should be fired, basically, on his podcast, which is called Speak of the Devils. Uh, Brian, no, you wrote about this this week, and the number one, or I guess overarching theme was... What is it that stations and networks want? Do they want real opinion or do they just want us to be cheerleaders? What has been your experience? I mean, you've been on local stations. You've been on Fox Sports Radio. What what direction is the wind blowing there? It really just depends. That's the easiest answer, right? Like uh, you just have to learn the station you work for. You have to learn the team that you're covering. Are they pretty thin skinned? Do mm. they have thick skin? There's so many factors in play but it seems like more and more now when you are getting a paycheck from the team or the university it's like they want you to not only lean in that direction where you might get your walking papers if you say something critical right because i didn't think jordan simone deserved to be fired for what he said uh you know you you reference mike valenti in the piece and you talk about the epic like now it has become a signature thing his rant of michigan state choking on applesauce you know valenti was in the middle of this with a different incident a few years ago where the lions basically told the ticket you've got to choose us or valenti and they chose valenti 
Um, which obviously, given the Lions' record, probably was an easy choice, but also really rare that a station looks at a talent and not at a major play-by-play property and says, "We're putting our we're putting our eggs in your basket." Yeah, it is. It's crazy, right? And I was just talking to Landry Locker. That'll mm. be the next Q and A that comes out. But he's in Houston at six ten. Yeah, and I filled in there a couple of years ago. And Armin Williams was like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, be a little judicious with what you say about Bill O'Brien or whatever. So I brought that up to Landry and I was like, what's it like to walk the line? And he was like, they really don't ask us to. He's like, they're they're pretty thick skinned and they allow us to do what we do. And we're critical at times. So it really does vary. Like, think of the Detroit situation that you highlighted. And man, I know it's not the same thing where Valenti works for a, a sports talk station, the ticket. Yeah. And where you know, Jordan Simone was with the Arizona State Sun Devils radio network and all of that. It's different, but it just it highlights how it varies from place to place. Because I can't imagine if you went on in Lincoln and said, Hey, look, man, I'll do respect to Scott Frost. He's just not getting it done right now. I don't know that you would be automatically fired. And that's what is confusing for a host. You know, what is interesting to me is this really highlights that you remember that debate a few years ago, I guess it was around the the CTE issue of was ESPN letting its journalists be journalists or were they too, um, you know, too tied up with the NFL to really let them do reporting. I, I was thinking about this as I read your piece, because when I was in rock radio, Right. We have the Carolina Hurricanes here in Raleigh and we were like under strict orders, like even if the Canes suck, never say the Canes suck. I I can from the outside looking in now recognize why music radio would feel that way. But with sports radio, here we are at that same ESPN debate. Like at what point do you ruin the brand by valuing the relationship with a a team, a league, whatever over your listeners? Because that's really what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And it's this weird, I get it from their standpoint, right? Where you have to find the magical middle ground of honesty and it not hurting relationships, right? right? With businesses or the, the, the team, what have you, like at Arizona State. I go back to when I was in Portland, right? Like we would have Brooke Olsendam is the sideline, the courtside reporter. Mm-hmm. And she's awesome. But I was just thinking if she came on the show I was doing and said, hey, listen, honestly, I love Terry Stotts, but he's got to go like this is it'd be like, whoa, holy cow. It's different. But even in that instance, I I think the Blazers would be wrong to be like, well, that's it, Brooke. Like you're gone. You know, I I just think you've got to be reasonable. And what Jordan Simone said, which is, hey, this coaching staff, I'm paraphrasing, is just not getting the job done. I think at worst that requires the Sun Devil Radio Network saying, hey, Jordan, you just can't say this again. It's a thing. I think that's a warning shot instead of walking papers. In my opinion, that's what it should have been. Gambling is an unavoidable topic on sports radio, and it's easy to understand why, right? There is a lot of money to be made on the business side of things. Ryan McGuire uh, joins me now, one of the writers for the site, former program director. Ryan, you and I had this discussion via email about whether or not uh, just because it is good for the bottom line, is it necessarily good for programming? I wonder what is your sense? And granted, you are in Chicago where, you know, this is legal and, and it is everywhere right now. But what is your sense of the reality 
of the number of people gambling versus the reality of the amount of gambling talk on sports radio right now. Oh, sorry, Dimitri. I'm putting a parley in on tonight's Thursday night football game. <laughs> um, I'm getting plus 875 on this, baby. We're letting it ride. Now, it's... um. You know, it's interesting. I, and, and look, when I when I wrote the article for, for Barrett Media, one of the things I wanted to address is what we're talking about right now, and that is I think we're reaching a critical mass when it comes to uh, sports gambling content. You know, it reminds me in a very similar fashion to what we saw with fantasy football, you know, about five or six years ago mm-hmm. where, you know, it, fantasy football became so huge um, that, you know, you couldn't go anywhere, uh, you know, without, without seeing content basically jammed down your throat. And, you know, I'm not obtuse. I mean, look, they're projecting that about 125 million is going to be spent on gaming ads just on over the air terrestrial radio in 2022. Right. So there's money out there and I don't blame anybody for, for trying to go after it. But my real concern is, is that the way we're we're integrating this content in regular sports talk radio, you know, it's it's starting to get annoying, to be honest with you. I think I think there's just, you know, it's in a lot of ways, I don't think it's done well. I think mm-hmm. it's clunky and I and I think um it, it just feels forced, you know, in, in a lot of shows that I listen to. It's almost like we're you know, we're listening to you know, corporate pushdowns um, instead of instead of content that really is entertaining and engaging and makes sense for the listener. And look, this is this is radio programming one on one. You never, ever, ever sacrifice the quality of the content yep. for the almighty dollar. You just don't. I don't care how much money is out there. So that's that's basically where I'm at with it. Yeah, and, and listen, I think that you raise a lot of good points about what the content is as a result of the money. I wrote this piece, before you started writing for us, I wrote this piece sort of looking at sports gambling on radio sort of before it became this thing where it's everywhere, right after the the PAPSA initiative um, is voted down. Uh, the I, I guess the operating philosophy I landed on is you better either be surefire making your audience money or you better be making them laugh. Otherwise there's a huge chunk that is tuning out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same with fantasy football. I think it really boils down to, you know, quality over quantity. You know, I mean, there's one particular sports talk show I I listen to and I'm finding this is very similar in, in many other markets. I'm not going to name the show, but uh, they do one gambling feature an hour mm-hmm. in a four-hour show. And I would say out of the four, only one of them is mildly entertaining. <laughs> right. And the, the rest of them sound like something, okay, well, you know. We, we, we sold this to uh, DraftKings, so we got to do this. We sold this to BetMGM, so we got to do this. You know, and the hosts, you can tell sometimes they're into it, but sometimes they're not. Look, when you're doing one sports gambling segment an hour on a regular sports talk show, you know, it's going to water down everything. 
for the one percent that really are the quote unquote degenerate gamblers that have to put money <laughs> every night on an NBA game or an NHL game. Yep. You know, it has to put in their fantasy golf lineup. You know, I mean, look, hey, God bless them. They each their own. It ain't for me. But, you know, those people have outlets for that. They're not going to wait till 45 past the hour for your host to tell them what they're doing. So you you mentioned quality over quantity and, and you talking about hearing a show that does one sports betting segment an hour brings up an interesting question. If you like sports gambling's old hat in Las Vegas, right? So let's throw them out. Let's talk about places like Denver and Chicago and Philadelphia, where this is relatively new. There is a lot of money to be made there. If you're programming in one of those cities, what are you telling your talent in terms of how often is too often to be talking gambling? I think it, it depends upon the show and it depends upon the talent. You know, I mean, if you have a talent that, that really is, you know, into gambling, I mean, really, really, really is into gambling, you know, then you might, you know, put together something, you know, you might have them do more. And for someone that doesn't, isn't real, you know, is a casual gamer, you might do less. You know, I really, to be honest with you, I would not do, depending on the length of the show, let's just say it's a four hour show. Yeah. I wouldn't do more than, than one to two uh gambling segments per show you can integrate gambling content you know a, a little bit more creatively without turning it into an entire segment that's going to take up a quarter hour um you know i think just weaving in like okay so uh bulls won last night oh and by the way that plus 800 parlay that i put on the game that gets, <laughs> right so thank you very much you know uh, so it's, it's just Little things like that, you know. Big thanks to Ryan and Brian, or uh, maybe we should call them McGuire and No to avoid the, uh, what is it, alliteration? Consonants? Let's just call it rhyming. We'll go with rhyming. All right, coming up next week, we will dive into the changes at WFAN. By the time you are listening to this, uh, Steve Summers has probably done his final show. Who knows? Given how long you take to listen sometimes, maybe uh, he has already had the farewell tribute, which is supposed to run Monday afternoon on WFAN. But either way, a big change coming to that station during the nighttime hours. Steve Summers, the last original to say goodbye, and we will dive into that next week. Talk to you then. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.